What's going on, guys? This is Travis, and welcome to the podcast where we discuss caring for the fatherless, being a father, growing as a father, and God as a father. If you missed last week's episode, uh, I was actually discussing and sharing my own personal testimony of how God changed my heart from being a man who had no desire to have children to being someone who greatly desires their own children and to actually care for children who aren't my own, to care for the fatherless in my area. So you should definitely check that episode out. For today's episode, uh, we are actually going to have a brother of mine. Uh, He's my best friend growing up. We've known each other for 20 plus years. And uh, today we're going to be discussing what it was like for him uh, growing up without a father. Um, I got to grow up with him and experience a lot of his family dynamics and uh, see how it impacted his siblings and himself uh, growing up without a father in his home. And so today we're going to talk about how it affected his perspective of God uh, and how it's affected him in being a husband and a father today and how God has actually been training and teaching him to be a good husband and a good father when he didn't have that role model present in his life growing up to give him a good image or a good picture of what it actually looks like to be a good husband and a good father. Before we get into our conversation with my brother real quick, uh, I just want to go over some statistics because having a father in the home is extremely important to God's design. And when that factor is removed from the household, it actually brings uh, death. It actually causes tremendous uh, heartache and and trauma on those who are in the household. And so 90% of homeless and runaway children are from fatherless homes. 71% of pregnant teenagers lack a father. 63% of youth suicides are from fatherless homes. 85% of children who exhibit behavioral disorders come from fatherless homes. 71% of high school dropouts come from fatherless homes. 75% of adolescent patients in chemical abuse centers come from fatherless homes. And 85% of youth in prisons grew up in fatherless homes. And now I'd like to welcome Taiwan Hubbard, uh, my brother, my best friend growing up. I basically lived in his house uh, on a day-to-day basis. Uh, Even when he wasn't there sometimes, I'd stay the night at his house. Absolutely. Yeah. And um, I just want to allow you to uh, introduce yourself uh, to the people listening real quick. Yeah. uh, First off, I want to say thank you, bro, for allowing me to be on the show and be able to tell Uh, my story and how uh, God has been affecting my life uh, very dramatically lately. But but more so, I just want to introduce myself. Um, I'm born and raised in Kansas City, and uh, I grew up in a fatherless home. Um, It was my mom and my older sister and my younger sister. Um, And uh, it was like that until I left the house. So were there uh, were there any men present at all? Um, that you could really look at as as role models at any point in time. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. There was a few, uh, but they were fleeting and they were there for moments, and then they would be gone. But um, profound ones that were kind of in my life was um, my stepdad for a while, and uh, my my uncle, uh, Uncle Leonard. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, he was there, uh, as well as different football coaches and people like that. But you really didn't have a consistent role model to look to. Absolutely not. So after hearing those statistics I just read off, uh, what do you think was one of the major factors 
that kept you from, uh, you know, going down a path that would have led you into being one of those statistics? Yeah, um, I believe it was a few things um, and just three off the top of my head. Um, one was at a very young age, my mom did, uh, you know, help us understand the gospel um, and uh, build a little bit of a relationship with Jesus. Um, number two was being in this situation that I was in without a father being in the home. And my situation was kind of different than other people's scenarios because my mom uh, did something that was a little different. She moved us out to an area um, that we really wasn't accustomed to. I mean, uh, as people would say, um, people with my type of background came from the hood <laughs> or something like that. Uh, she would, she seen us going down a path and she moved me and my, my siblings to an area that was, you know, would be more a place to prosper, if you will. So being able to, you know, see people around me um, that had some sense of success uh, and didn't have to have so many wants um, drove me to provide for my, try to figure out a way to provide for my family. Uh, and then number three was um, that way of providing was through sports. So I think that those three things kept me from going down a path, um, you know, that uh, the statistics uh, kind of spoke about. And uh, I got to I got to witness that. I got to see uh, that drive that you had uh, and passion to succeed in football. And, and primarily whenever I talked to you, it was more about wanting to provide uh, for your mom and for your sister. So you had started taking on the burden that a father should have been carrying in the house. Yeah. And so in the midst of all that, where were you finding your identity? Like, how were you perceiving yourself and who were you looking to to find out who you were as a young man? Yeah, um, I believe when I was a young man, I, I, I kind of, um, the image that kind of comes in my head is uh, a person that's drowning and is grabbing for anything. Uh, and that's kind of what I was doing. I was I would see different um you know, men, uh, like I said, for like example, my uncle Leonard, um, he was more on the thuggish rough side. And that was kind of the first identity I kind of gravitated towards um, as I started growing older. And then from there, um, you know, I could I could see it kind of branch off to being more of this um, successful man, you know, this this image of a man that has it all together, you know, and uh and so I just kind of started grabbing for anything and everything at the time. And so you were basically just looking anywhere you could to find uh, your own identity as a man. So anything that you saw that looked appealing, you were basically gravitating toward that. Absolutely. And uh, I can remember growing up with you. I mean, there were times, I mean, you we were, you know, you and I, we never personally had any like real conflict between each other. Like, no. We always just got along. It's weird. But uh, there were, <laughs> yeah, it was weird. <laughs> Usually friends get in a fight at some point. <laughs> right. Yeah, we never had that. But anyway, um, there were times where I can remember like you would just explode. I can remember you like screaming one time and punching the door when you got angry and like denting the door. And right. so there were times where you would just explode with rage at times. What, where do you think that was stemming from and what would cause that to erupt at, po at, at points in time in your life? Yeah, no, um, I think it, I think it goes back to, um, me being, uh, a young boy and being confused uh, and, and not knowing why my dad wasn't there um, and asking my mom these type of questions. And it was very difficult for her at that time to try to explain it 
to me. Uh, and I mean, when you're trying to explain it to a, a five-year-old or six-year-old, uh, and that confusion and those questions of asking why and not getting answers, I know it birthed itself into anger. Um, and me, like my personality is more a somber, laid back type of guy anyway. So um, I like hold my feelings in and they sit in there and they kind of flesh a little bit. And uh, eventually those feelings have to come out and uh, different times they came out on doors. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of a way that not having a father was affecting you emotionally. Mm -hmm. How do you feel like it was impacting uh, your siblings, like your older sister? I know like for me and my siblings, it affected us tremendously. And I know my older sister, where I can identify the most with her was her sense of security. And that lack of security because the father wasn't in the home birthed itself into uh, this overzealous independence. Um, and this drive to say, I don't, I don't have to depend on anybody else besides myself. And I know uh, it affects her even to today as a woman um, and in like her relationships that she, that she even has with men. <laughs> so sometimes it can scare a brother off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can, uh, I mean, I remember a lot of times she would carry such a, uh, angry look on her face like she would almost look unapproachable but because i you know i was i was more like family i'd be there all the time like she was so like when you'd be close to her she'd be so playful and so mm -hmm. like she would smile but on a regular basis when you're just out like mm -hmm. she would have such a, a hard look on her face yeah and uh like carry herself in such a way that she almost seemed unapproachable and it was like her her protection yeah you know yeah, no, like I, I think that's the way that she kind of masked that pain. Um, and I know uh, when there's a deep void, sometimes, you know, you overcompensate. And I know mm -hmm. that's where she overcompensated with those feelings. And so how do you feel like um, not having a father in the home was affecting your younger sister? I know that at a young age, she experienced sexual abuse. And do you feel like that experience... Um, affected her identity, uh, especially since there wasn't someone in the home to to comfort her, uh, to speak identity into her and to, to cover that experience. Mm. And how did that affect uh, her perspective of love? Yeah. Um, for my younger sister, it was pretty traumatic. Uh, and I believe that a father not being in a home became her identity. Um, I know for her, she started seeking love in all the wrong places. Um, and even the whole situation of where um, she was raped at a very young age was because of that, because she was feeling and getting attention from, from a, a young man uh, that was giving that to her. And uh, even though it was the wrong kind of attention, even, yeah, yeah. I it mean, was still an attention that she wanted. Yeah. Like it was attention that she actually needed that she was drawn to, um, but she was just getting it in, in all the wrong places. And so even to this day, um, do you see that still affecting her uh, now that she's an adult and the decisions she's making and the men that she's attracted to and uh, the relationships that she has? Yeah, it's been a perpetual cycle um, for my younger sister. Uh, bad man after bad man after bad man trying to find um, this love that only, you know, is uh, found in Jesus Christ. Um the ultimate man. <laughs> uh, yeah, because literally, um, you know, my younger sister now today, uh, she is a wonderful mom. She takes care of her kids and she's fighting hard to do so um, in a 
and her kids are growing up in a fatherless home now. Um, and how many kids does she have? She has six kids, and she's 27 years old. Um, and so, you know, kudos to my young sister for doing the right things and taking care of her babies. But Yeah, uh, sorry, just real quick. I remember when she first started having kids, and, uh, you know, she'd, she'd be complaining about how hard it was. And I didn't have any kids yet, and I'm like, come on, you just got to suck it up. But <laughs> yeah. now that I have four kids, uh, I'm like, oh, my gosh. She was doing that as a, as a single mom and understanding what I know now, the hardship of what what it's like for um, a single mom. I I wish I could go back in time. Oh yeah, and uh, be there to support her in a a much different way than how I did when we were young. Oh man, I, hey, I'm the exact same way, and I'm uh, still to this day. I feel like I'm the one that rags on her the the least. I'm always there trying to provide love and comfort to her because. I mean, I got two little little dudes that keep me busy at all times, and I can't imagine having you know six and by yourself and by yourself uh, with no help. So, um, like I said, that is a strong young woman, but but at the same time, like I said, she was seeking love in all the wrong places because there was no dad in the home to really provide that love to tell her, um, you know, to show her this agape type love this. Uh, this love that's not dependent on what you do, but I just love you because I love you. Mm-hmm. And so that wound still has not been healed yet. Yeah, no, uh-uh, no. I think that's still in the process. So in the course of all this stuff taking place within your family, how did this affect the way you perceive God? Because you knew God. I mean, I remember going to your house and your, you know, your mom would read Bible scriptures and we watch, uh, you know, TV preaching sometimes. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, How were you perceiving God? Like, what did God look like to you? Yeah, no, I I think, I think at the, you know, when I was young and my perception of God was similar to the men that I was around, um, I kind of thought of him that way. And uh, the man that I guess I was around the most was my, was my stepdad. And he was more of a disciplinarian, uh, He's more about the rules and you do what I tell you to do when you do it. And um, because of that, uh, you know, we would get treats on the weekend. Sometimes you take us to the movies or whatever, because, you know, we were, quote unquote, being good. So I kind of looked at God the same way. I felt like, oh, well, you know, God must the Bible must just be this rule book. And God sitting there saying, look, don't do this and don't do that. And and that's kind of was my perception of God. So I kind of just hid the things that I felt like God didn't like away from away from them, <laughs> you know? And so you kind of saw God as, if I do this right, then God will reward me. Yeah, no, I, I seen God as a, a A, B, C, D God. So if I do A, B, and C, you know, then I'll get D because God's happy now because I did that for him. And so growing up, you know, you had, you had your perspective of God. And I remember growing up with you, neither one of us were really seeking to really know God. We both wanted to just have fun. Yeah. Really, we just wanted to have fun and go do what we want to do. Um, And still at the same time, say we were Christians, you Mm -hmm. know, because we knew, we knew God a little bit. Uh, At what point in your life um, or what happened that caused you to really want to seek God and know him as a father and establish a real relationship with God? What shifted and what happened? I really started pursuing God about eight years ago. Uh, and it was around the time that I actually was getting married at, you know, at the same time. Uh, and it kind of brought me, you know, this question kind of came to my mind was why I believe what I believe and if there's evidence for it and kind of, you know, kind of just seeking my faith. And in doing that, 
like God blew my mind. <laughs> and uh, I started learning a lot of things um, about him and his nature uh, and how God works um, that really started to sit deep in my heart. And from that point on, I started seeing God as not this far off distant being, but this this being that's actually, you know, could be my dad. <laughs> that can actually help me through life and help me navigate it and help me, you know, figure out how to love the people that I love most. And so still at that point in time, you still had that uh, that heavy burden to provide for your mom and for your sisters, and you were still pursuing football. Um, you had torn your ACL uh, that had gotten healed through surgery and, uh, you know, all the stuff that you had to go through to get your leg working right again. What was what was going on uh, toward the end of your journey with football? And you saw that it wasn't going to work out uh, because that was that was a great desire in your heart. And uh, I saw how God was using football in a major way in your life to kind of keep you on a straight and narrow path and 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 train you in a lot of ways to where he took your experience with football to where you you would take those things and pursue God with the same diligence that you pursued football. But what was happening internally? Uh, how were you dealing with that as football came to an end? Yeah, um, I mean, I guess first, I guess first, I'll start it off with. Uh, I played football for about twenty years. Now looking it's back a long on time. it, I played football for forever. I feel like I remember <laughs> when uh, we were playing backyard football, and Ike grabbed you, picked you up, and threw, threw you over the, yeah. over the line. That was that was <laughs> to uh, score the touchdown. Yeah, that was a fun second and a half in the air, maybe less. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I played football for you know for a long time, and. and and I really did see it as the means for me to help my family. And uh, and I think the reason why I did play football for so long was um, I didn't play it for the game. I played it for people. You know, I, I played it for my mom and my my, my two sisters. And so it, it just birthed this deep passion in me for, you know, trying to achieve something that I feel like was going to bring, um, you know, my family, uh, you know, a better future. Um, and in doing that, I feel like, um, how God used that a little bit was that he started shaping me and started molding me um, with some of the things that you learn through football, like discipline um, and drive and learning how to do things that you don't like to do and pushing beyond your comfort zones. Uh, and now looking back on it, uh, when I actually came to that crossroads of saying, okay, football is not you know, going to be what God has for me in the foot um, in the future. First, I was I was not happy. <laughs> I was uh, you know I was a little frustrated at God at you know pretty much at that time as He was kind of unpacking that. But at the same time, what He kind of spoke to me was, you know, what you're trying to find in football is all found in me. Mm. And so um, that really kind of blew my blew my heart wide open and my head wide open, and it just changed you know it just diverted all that passion i have for football and that drive to provide for my family um you know towards him because i know uh in that relationship with him that he's going to take care of everything mm -hmm. yeah because you were you were weighing heavily on football you you weren't just 
failing at football wasn't just failing football. It was failing your mom and it was failing your sisters. Yeah. I mean, and even at that point in time, it wasn't even, it was, it was even more. It was, you know, my mom and my two sisters. And then, you know, at that time still I was married and yeah. I had a kid on the way. Yeah. So it was, so it was like even five more. people on my back. I feel like I'm carrying to try to provide for through, through this means of making it to the NFL. And so now you're, you're a husband and you're a father, but you still, you, you never had that, that good role model uh, to direct you in being a father or a husband. How was God encountering you and teaching you to be a good husband as you developed a relationship with your wife? Yeah, it was actually, it's actually really cool um, how God kind of did this. He, you know, God's an expert at taking uh, lemons and making it into lemonade because um, at one point in time in my life, I told, oh, I don't need no, I don't need no dad. I don't need no, you know, no father, any image to tell me what it is. And now looking back on it, my wife actually says, uh, she actually says this is pretty funny. She's like, um, I believe that you um, not having this father figure in your life um, was actually a major blessing mm-hmm. uh, because of um, the people that, you know, the father's figures that were in your life, you had been pursuing trying to be a man like them, but now you're trying to be a man like Christ. And, uh, and that's the one who you're looking, looking towards. And so he actually started to shape me and mold me in that area of being a husband with mom, with my wife. Um, I guess let me say, let me say it like this. First, I want to be humble because my first year or two was pretty rough. <laughs> I, I caused a lot of wounds and I didn't know exactly what I was doing. But in that, God started um, to bring to light the scriptures, um, mm. things about Christ and how he moved and how he actually you know, cared for people. Um, and it wasn't like I said, it wasn't dependent on what they what they did. It's just he loved them because. He loved them, you know, and uh, and there was nothing that they had to do to earn his love. And so he started shaping me um, in that. And uh, he kind of brought me to Corinthians where it says, you know, love, love your wife like Christ loved the church and died for her. And, and that's intense. Super intense yeah. trying to figure it out. Like, yeah, it's crazy um, to try to, you know, live that out. But but as you do, you actually learn how to die to yourself. Yeah. And I just, so you know, I think the first year of marriage is hard for everybody. <laughs> I mean, you got, you got two people becoming one flesh and learning how to, to love each other well, and you got to see each other all the time every day. Yeah. And uh, I can say even for me, my first year of marriage was was tough. I didn't know if my wife and I were even going to make it mm-hmm. through the first year of marriage. And just the the way God encountered me and taught me to, to steward her heart and to uh, woo her you know, when, when situations were happening where we were at conflict, going to him and, and being in a continual prayer until our issues were resolved. Um, was there was there any uh, specific moment you can think of uh, or an experience with your, with your wife where you can remember uh, God just speaking to you and revealing uh, like your identity as a husband and who you are as a man? Yeah, no, um, it's actually pretty cool because I think it's an ongoing process. You know, God, you know, it's a uh, it's a marathon, not a 40 yard dash. So um, I feel like even um, recently there was this really cool experience that I had uh, tell a quick story. Um, you know, over the past couple of years of being married, I've been married seven years now. And 
you know, there's been seasons where, you know, I feel like I've been stewarding my house well um, with my, you know, as far as the spiritual side goes and pursuing my wife's heart and pursuing her relationship with Christ. And then there's been seasons where I've been down in the dumps and she's like, hey, man, I need you. Mm -hmm. And recently it's kind of been like that. Um, you know, there was a, a, a moment last year where where it was similar, um, you know, where the time was kind of like that. She was reaching out. She was saying, hey, I need you. And I'm in the thick of it trying to figure out how to provide for my family still. Right. Uh, and uh, it's funny. Uh, I went to church and randomly got invited to this men's group by a guy I don't really know. Um, really nothing don't, wrong with that. Right, man. <laughs> nothing wrong with it. Um, he ended up telling me, Hey man, this men's group, if you want to come, it's on Saturday, you can, you know, uh, you can check it out. I don't even know what the men's group was about. <laughs> and, uh, he ended up, uh, I actually started getting, you know, texts and calls from, from another man in my men's group. And he was, uh, asked me if I'm going to go to this, go to this men's group on Saturday and he just kind of kept doing it. And me and him, we don't really talk too often. So, I kind of blew it off and like, yeah, man, I might come. Yeah, man, I might come. And it literally was to like Friday. I decided I was like, okay, I'm going to go. My wife's like, hey, are, have you decided if you're going to go to that or not? And it's like, yeah, I don't know, maybe. And uh, so I finally go and it's about six hours and it's all about, um, you know, being a father, being a husband, stewarding your house well, leading, um, you know, leading like Christ. And uh, I feel like God was just like downloaded like like all this into my brain and really kind of was like, hey, you know, this is what I want you to be doing. You know, this is what's important. Uh, don't forget, you know, I, you know, I own the cattle on a thousand hills. Like mm. I'm your provider. Uh, I want you to steward your house well and lead and and lead them uh, in my principles and my ways. Uh, and so. It was it was really cool. I kind of sat back in my chair and I, I took great notes over those six hours. I mean, and you know, bro, you came over to my house. You see my you see my little page that I made up of you know just my wife's strengths and her talents yeah. and my kids. Um, you know, it, it it was just it was pretty remarkable how God used that scenario and worked it all out for me to get me kick started. You know, so you had like a six hour binge, <laughs> yeah. like where God was just like. <laughs> Spoon feeding spoon, you, spoon feeding it, and I came off of that weekend just uh, fired up, man. And uh, it just it carried over. Literally that Sunday, I spent that that evening um, just you know praying to God and you know asking God to give me this vision of what He wants in my weekly or like daily um, you know uh, schedule to be like with my family and how to keep Him uh, involved in my home daily and weekly. And so uh, it was pretty amazing. And uh, I just I just love how God uses scenarios and situations and people to, you know, to teach you. Mm -hmm. What about uh, what about being a father? What has that journey been like for you, especially coming in uh, pretty early in your 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 walk with the Lord as far as wholeheartedly seeking him and then having a child shortly after that? What was that journey like for you as as being a father? And, uh, you know, like you said, you. Your, your original perspective of God was that he was pretty uh, strict. And uh, your your closest perspective of a father was very strict. Uh, how was that affecting you as a father with your own children? I believe with my own kids that that's something I still struggle with today at times. 
um, because I know that I can get on them, you know, a little too quickly and not have enough grace in those moments. Um, I mean, what comes to light is a is a story um, that kind of comes to my mind is I, I was uh, I was asking my kids to get on the shoes because uh, we're, we're you know we're about to go and uh, and I asked them like a few times you know I've asked them like I mean, you know, three or four times and they still haven't they still didn't have the shoes on and uh, I came downstairs started getting about, frustrated started getting frustrated I started feeling the bull the blood boiling and ready to start swinging on doors and I'm just playing. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but no, I started getting the blood boiling a little bit and I ended up, uh, going downstairs and, you know, my wife's putting on her shoes and, uh, it's been probably about five, you know, to eight minutes, anywhere between there. And I come downstairs and I just start to, you know, get into them a little bit, you know, and why aren't your shoes on? What are you doing? Blah, 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 you know? And, uh, it, it God kind of nipped me in the blood, like you immediately. Yeah, with, with the, I'm your dad. You do what I say. <laughs> yeah. I'm the leader. <laughs> Yeah, he nipped me in the bud really quick because uh, I came off pretty stern and um, not really trying to ask any questions. And turns out my kid's shoes was was in the car and they couldn't even like they can't open the door. So they had no power of their own to even put on their shoes. Absolutely not. And so I'm, I'm sitting here chewing, chewing on them. And uh, literally, like I said, it, it wasn't nothing uh, less than 30 seconds, maybe maybe a minute. Um, I, I go to them and I ask for forgiveness, you know, and uh, tell them that daddy's sorry. And I know that's an area that stems from my background of, you know, not having a dad in the home, seeing, um, you know, this is what a man is about. It's about, you know, getting people to follow the rules and uh, and doing the right thing and doing this and that, la, 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 la. So uh, I know that's something that I struggle with. And God constantly, constantly hits me with barrages of it's more about grace grace covers a multitude of sins. And so it's like, that is uh, something that I feel like he constantly reminds me of. Yeah. I mean, I can, I can say there's times, you know, I've been quick to anger, you know, you got, got a couple kids running around. <laughs> You've been telling them to do stuff all day. Nobody's listening. <laughs> and uh, you get to that point where you're just frustrated and uh, you, you're, you start to react out of, out of frustration and, and anger more than out of, uh, a kind, uh, leading, teaching father, yeah, and uh, you know that that happens to everybody. How in, how important do you think it is uh, when you come up into a situation uh, like that? You you were telling your kids something; they weren't listening. You went into kind of uh, you know you're about to get punishment mode mm -hmm. because you're not being obedient, and then you find out that. They probably would have been obedient if they could. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and all parents make mistakes like that. Mm -hmm. uh, how important do you think it is as you come into those mistakes to actually go and apologize to your children? Yeah, I, I think um, I think if I could put it on the scale of one to ten, it would be a ten. Because um, without transparency, without showing your kids or leading by example, you can't expect them to grow and uh, to be people that do that, that ask for forgiveness, that apologize. And I know I've even seen that with, with my wife um, and her dad. Uh, I think she's told me maybe once um, she's she's heard her dad apologize for anything. Oh, so like, her experience ever. with her dad is that he doesn't apologize or take responsibility if he makes a mistake. Then, yeah, that, no. That respect. No, no. I mean, and, you know, 
I love Dave, but that is one of Dave's uh, Achilles heel, if you will, is his pride. And uh, yeah, it, it's been something that's been very damaging to my wife. Um, and I know it's caused deep wounds in her. And even till this day, she she reflects some of that of her mm. dad um, because of the influence of a dad has in the home. I know in the beginning of our marriage, it was very difficult for her to accept that, you know, I'm wrong. Like, no, I'm not apologizing. <laughs> you know, oh, and, yeah. and having those type of arguments was was brutal, <laughs> brutal at the time. But uh, yeah, no, I think it's very, very important to, you know, show your kids transparency in your own flaws and ask for forgiveness. Um, obviously, uh, that's what the word of God asks us to do. Yeah. So they get to see see their own, own dad operate in humility and uh, ask for forgiveness. You know, we tell our kids, you need to say sorry. And then if they see their own parent not willing to say sorry, <laughs> it's not setting a very good example. It's not saying a very good I mean, I can, I can remember uh, just recently, even with my own self, um, I, uh, my kids had frustrated me. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was right before bedtime and uh, I, was, I was ready for the day to be done. I was ready for them to get in bed. <laughs> I was ready for them to get in bed. And uh, they were not, they had not been listening very well all day. And I just asked them to do simple things to get ready for bed. They just were not listening. So I got I got frustrated. I told them that uh, they they had made me angry and mm-hmm. uh, yelled at them a little bit. Told them I was angry at them. Uh, and within about two minutes, just the Lord just hit me in the heart, and uh, I had to go and explain something to them. I, I went in the in the room, and I apologized, you know, for for speaking to them the way that I did. I said, I want you to know, uh, you know, I always love you like mm-hmm. that never changes i always love you and i'm not mad at you i'm mad at the actions the behavior that was taking place i'm mad at disobedience like mm-hmm. it, i i do not like disobedience mm-hmm. but i always love you mm-hmm. and uh, i just felt like the lord want me to to explain that to them that i'm not mad at them I'm over that. Like yeah. my anger is not always toward them now. Mm-hmm. Like I love them. I love who they are, but mm-hmm. I do not like disobedience. Mm-hmm. And just to distinguish those two things from them, yeah. because I felt like he was saying that, uh, you know, just so that they wouldn't take that in their identity that dad is mad at me. Dad doesn't like me. Right. And right. Uh, I just listening to the Lord in those moments, I feel like is extremely important to go to your children and apologize for you know, your tone of voice at times or, you know, the the way you may say something to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's huge. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree with you, bro, on that uh, on that topic. I, I know for me, um, I know for me sometimes that, you know, it's such a blessing to have my wife because she's such a great reminder. And I feel like God used her a ton in that area for me because there's times where, where you know, you get caught up, like you said, you get caught up in the day. You know, the hustle and bustle, you're, mm-hmm. you're busy, you're working, you're trying to do things. I mean, and, and in my situation, working from home, I mean, it, it, I mean, my work life is in the midst of my family life. So it makes it very uh, crazy dynamic in the home sometimes. And so my blood gets boiling and I might say something. And my wife, you know, uh, comes to me about five minutes later and says, hey, hey, <laughs> hey, man. I've had my wife do that to you. She's like, you need to say sorry. <laughs> yeah. Hey. Hey, that was a little too that was a little mm-hmm. too harsh there, buddy. And so, uh, yeah, and it just leads me to be able to take the moment out of my day and show my kids that they're a priority. 
not my work, um, to say, hey, daddy, sorry, and daddy loves you, and daddy um, didn't mean to come off that way, and do you forgive me, you know? And so those are moments that are one you know, like great, you know, moments to instill into your kids. And so for you being a husband and being a father, um, it's been a process of continuing to try to hear God and let him even train you as you see God as a father, as he shows you who he is as a father and you as his son, you're taking that and reflecting it back in your your own household as you're being a father to your own children. Um, Is there any any moment that you can think of uh, in your relationship with your children and raising your children where God used your relationship with your children to uh, show you who he is as a father? Yeah. Yeah, no. Um, actually, um, there is a, there's a good, there's a story that comes to my mind. It's actually kind of a traumatic story, but uh, it's, I think it's important uh, to share because I think God spoke to me pretty profoundly in that moment, but it was my oldest son. I think he was probably, I don't know, one, probably one, one and a half um, at the time. And daddy's giving him a bath and mommy's went to the store. And so he's in the bath and I'm sitting there right next to him. And maybe he could have been older, might've been two, cause he was able to sit up by himself. And uh, he's in there playing. And I feel like literally I turned my head for a second or two. And I, and then I look back and he's laying on his back. He's under the water and he can't, he can't sit up. And the burst of energy that came through me to grab my son out of that water when he's helpless and he can't do it on his own, Mm -hmm. um, uh, was incredible. I feel like, I feel like I've moved faster than I've ever moved in football. (laughs) (laughs) And I, I picked him up out of the water and, uh, just held him so close and, you know, you know, dried him off and did all this. And and I feel like, you know, that's how God sees us sometimes, like how fast God, you know, moves, uh, you know, to be there for us as our dad. Like um, the scripture came to my mind, um, you know, how it it, it talks about, uh, you know, um, what father or what person would, you know, if their kid asked for something, would give them a rock or, would give him a serpent. No. And like saying that, you know, if us as sinners can um, give our kids good gifts, how much more will our father in heaven, you know, want to give good things to his children. And it just, it was something that was really big for me um, at that time. Uh, And it's still big for me today to look back on it, uh, that God can use such a traumatic event. And uh, teach you. That's a, I mean, that's a intense way to get a revelation <laughs> yeah you, know, you your your kid's in danger and yeah. you move in and god's like showing you that even in our helplessness that's the way he is as a father how quick he is to move yeah. to rescue us to mm-hmm. save us mm-hmm. and uh yeah you just saying that I'm like man that is the the picture of the cross and us being having com- being completely helpless yep i can think of my own experience with my own child too uh it was intense, but not in the same way. Uh, nobody's <laughs> life was on the line, uh, yeah. you know. But um, I remember uh, coming into the living room one time, and my my daughter, she was about four years old at the time, and she she came up to me and she had her hands together in the shape of a heart, and uh, she goes, 
hey, uh, hey, daddy, I have a question for you. And if the answer is yes, my heart will stay together. But if the answer is no, my heart will break. And when she said that, she pulled her hands apart and broke the heart. And I was, I was sitting there inside myself. I was like, what is, uh, what is going on here? What is her <laughs> question about to be? And how am I going to say no to whatever this question is if it's this important to her? <laughs> and I, I had all these things going inside my mind. And uh, I was like, okay, well, what, what do you want to ask me? And she goes, Daddy, will you sit down and spend time with me? And oh man, it just it hit me. I was like, "What? She wants to just sit down and spend like this is the question that's so important to her that mm-hmm. if the answer is no, it'll break her heart." Well, I sit down, and, you know, spend time with her, and so I sit down next to her. I'm like, "Yeah, of course I'll spend time with you. How could I not spend time with you? Especially the way you presented that question. I can never, right. <laughs> never say no <laughs> if you come to me like that." Melted you, and uh, yeah, it melted me. And so I'm sitting there with her, and she goes, Daddy, do you know what my favorite thing to do is? I was like, no, what? tell me what your favorite thing is. And she goes, my favorite thing to do is spend time with you because I love you. And uh, it just nailed me. And in that, in that moment, the Lord uh, highlighted himself to me uh-huh. and the way he is as a father. And the way she came to me, she wasn't you know, seeking some selfish ambition. She was coming to me with a natural desire that God had put in her heart. And how could I say no to that? And God pointed that back to himself when we come to him or when I come to him. I mean, because for me at the time it was personal. When I come to him with a natural desire that he had put in my heart and it's important to me and I present it to him, how much more does he want to say yes as being a good father Mm -hmm. to his children? You know, how much more does he want to say yes to those things that he's put in our heart for us to to desire and to say yes to? And it just, it gave me such a confidence when I go before the Lord and I know that it's something that he's put in me Mm -hmm. and I'm asking him for that thing that he actually wants to say yes and desires to say yes to that. You know, even when it's times where I'm just like, God, I want to feel your presence and be near to you. And be confident that he's going to be near to me. Right. So for you, you've come to, you know, find God as a provider. You know, your experience with God. Uh, while you didn't have a father in your life, you continue to seek God and you see, you've seen God show up in your life. Right. Um, can you think of an experience in your life where you just needed God and you had to go to him and you had to ask him for help? Yeah. Um yeah, there's a there's a lot of times. <laughs> there's a lot of times. Uh, however, there is one story that kind of comes to my mind right now. And uh, I was um, married for a few years, and we had my oldest at the time. It was me and my wife. And uh, literally, I'm in between football, um, trying to make it to the NFL, and not really having another means of, of – of income outside of uh, playing indoor professional football. And that was only for... So you're playing playing in the uh, arena league at the time. Yeah, yeah, uh uh-huh, right, exactly. And that season only lasts for the spring. So... Oh, wow. There's a... Yeah, there's a whole... Short season. Yeah, there's so pretty much there's income for six months and then there's no income for six months. Um, While at the same time, you're going to try to do private workouts and different things, right? So at that time... We came to a situation where we're about to be out on the street if we don't have 500 bucks to pay our rent. And uh, we've already been late on it for a while now. And I didn't know what to do. 
so of course, the first thing you start doing is just knocking on doors, right? So I ended up asking uh, my, not my biological dad, but um, my f- the guy that provided me with my last name. <laughs> <laughs> Which that's, that's a whole nother that's story. That's a whole so nother story for another day. Two guys, one's the biological dad, but you yes. got the... I the got last the, name of a the other guy right. that was involved with your mom at the same time, right? Around which, the same time, right? Which probably led to the issue why my biological dad wasn't in my life. So it's a big hot mess that we probably don't need to get into. <laughs> but uh, yeah, but so I go to him and he's like, "Sure, man, I'll give you five hundred bucks, man. I'm I'll, I'll be here to help you out. I'll pretty much I'll have my accountant mail it out." And so, I'm like, oh, great, okay, babe, we're good. I'm waiting, I'm waiting. I'm 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 pacifying these people at the apartment for as long as possible. And uh nothing nothing shows up. So, so he, he said he was gonna send the money, never he never sent it. Never came. And it actually ended up having a situation where we were able to have dinner with him. So was that awkward? It was very awkward. Because <laughs> I'm like, Where's the money, man? Like I'm you know, there's a You said you were gonna help me. Yeah, you said you're gonna help me yeah. and there's there's no income. So oh yeah, so oh man, I I don't know, must have got lost in the mail. And so he said, I'll, I'll, I'll have my account or my CPA send it out again. And so I said, okay, um, well, I appreciate that. And so we, we, you know, me and my wife and my kid had our meal and then went back and, uh, I'm still waiting on that check. So, um, but, uh, it didn't come and I had nobody else to turn to. Um, like I grew up, like, like I said, my mom's on section eight. We grew up on welfare. I mean, we, we, we didn't have any means and most mm-hmm. of my family's very poor. So I go to God and normally the place I meet with God is either in my bathroom or in my closet in a secluded space where I could kind of just get real with him. And mm-hmm. I cried out to him and said, look, man, I don't know what to do, but I need your help. And so I'm praying and getting pretty real with him. And uh, he kind of highlighted a few people in my mind, um, I felt like. So I literally just reached out to these people and said, hey, I, you know, I'm in a tight spot. I need some help. Um, well, it's kind of crazy because one of the people was a person I worked with for only about a year. And she was a friend of the family's. Um, she wasn't overly close or, or anything. and uh, But her name was Kim. And Kim said that she would like to help. And so I said, oh, well, that's good. Turns out Kim brings over $500. So you didn't even without tell even asking. No, no, I, did, I, just, I reached out to people and asked for help and just say, hey, I'm in a tight spot. I need some help. Um, if anybody's willing to give anything, it would be appreciated. And Kim comes over and she says, I'm bringing some food and I'm bringing you some help. And then I get groceries. I get all I get my house full of food and $500 to pay our rent. And uh, at that moment, it was one of the moments where I, I come to realize that you can't put God in a box. Um, and, you know, people who are willing to, you know, um, be genuine and honest and be willing to be used by him. Uh, you know, it's amazing how God does what he does. And so I just, it really kind of opened my eyes up to what he's been telling me this whole time that, look, I will take care of you. I will be your dad. Um, and, uh, and so from not from that day on, but there was other experiences that it just reinforced that, uh, in me, um, even till today. So throughout your life, there's kind of been a pattern of, uh, having 
some kind of male figure present, you know, even if it's sporadic and really not being able to rely on them. So even, uh, you know, the, the guy who you got the last name from, you know, he said he had help, but his help never came through. And I can even remember when you, you met your biological dad yeah. and, uh, that really didn't go too, too super great. No, um, he really, really wasn't there for you in any kind of way, uh, with the meeting. And I, I, how did God earn your trust when so many men showed themselves to be untrustworthy? Yeah, I felt like um, there's been big landmarks um, in my life or different points where I feel like as a husband, as a father, and trying to provide for my family, that you come to these big crossroads where you're about to feel like you're about to come to the edge of a cliff. And in my situation, you know, like I said, I, I don't, I really didn't have anybody to call on besides God. And, uh, and I really did view him as, as my dad, especially as I started pursuing, pursuing that relationship with him. And he kind of, you know, kept pushing me into that. Like, Hey, I will take care of you. Hey, I will be there for you. You can trust me. And so, um, there's been quite a few of these moments, uh, where, uh, like, for example, when I first, um, when God first kind of let me know that I wasn't going to be doing football anymore. And uh, I didn't know what I was going to do really at the time. And there was another big situation where we're, 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 we're about to be out on the street. Don't know exactly which way to go. Football, NFL is not happening. And uh, I've been pursuing um, this other business, I guess, opportunity at the time. And uh, I didn't know what was going to happen. So I went to my closet again and asked God, hey, I, you know, you called me to trust you and I need your help. And I don't know which way to turn. Um, and I know you, you know, you you hold all things in your hand and you're driving this car. I don't, I don't want to drive the car. I want you to drive the car. Literally, um, from that point, I ended up in Florida working a job and didn't know I was even going to get offered a job. And didn't know I was going to go to Florida. <laughs> and I was like, hold on, God. I, I mean, I didn't know I was going to be moving to Florida. <laughs> and so uh, when I was down in Florida, it was kind of the same situation. I was down there for about seven, eight months. And I came to this same situation where it was like, I don't know what's next, God. And uh, I need your help. Um, I have no one else to turn to. And I moved back to Kansas City and I had an opportunity that miraculously, uh, you know, presented itself. I mean, and that story is pretty crazy in itself as well. So was, was God directing you to move back to Kansas City at that time or? Yeah, like uh, the situation um, in Florida kind of got to the point to where I felt like the management and the owner of the company um, wasn't doing things um, ethically. And me and my wife can, couldn't stand by that. And so literally my wife is at the point, her breaking point, And she's like, look, baby, I don't know. You need to go talk to God in the closet pretty much because I don't know what we're about to do because I can't keep working for this guy. And uh, so I don't I don't know. I go in the closet and literally I spend two weeks pretty much just crying out to him almost every day, asking him what to do. What am I going to do next to take care of my family? I'm really down here with nobody else. I, I mean, there's nobody. I have no family in Florida. Um, and uh, 
I felt like he said, hey, you know, I want you to start your own company. And I don't have any money to start a company. Guy, what are you talking about? Right. And so literally um, I said, OK, well, that's what I feel like God wants me to do is, babe, I went out to her with tears in my eyes and said, babe, I don't, I don't know exactly um, how we're going to do this or how God's going to do this. But um, it's another thing where he's called me to trust him. And uh, he says he wants me uh, to start a company. So uh, I sit there with her and I pray. And literally within the week, I got offered three different positions. One was to be part owner in a company. One was to be um, the CEO or the president of a hydrogen bottled water company. Uh, and then the, another one was to be a uh, consultant, a hydrogen consultant for a company. So I had three opportunities pretty much to lead companies or to be a major, major um, part of a company. And uh, I don't know how God does that stuff, but he does that stuff and literally gave me an opportunity. I prayed over for about another week and accepted one of them. And I ended up back in Kansas City. So you've you've developed a relationship with God where you're you're learning to know his voice and he's showing himself to be faithful when he speaks that the things he says come to pass. Right. So in that relationship with God where he's continuing to show himself faithful and you're experiencing that with him and your wife is experiencing that with you, how is that affecting your marriage with your wife and the, the way that you guys trust each other? Yeah, I mean, you know, as far as my relationship with my wife, um, in that her watching my relationship with God and, and seeing how I'm trusting him, uh, and seeing how he comes through for our family is developing a deeper trust um, that she has for me um, and leading our family and the direction that we're going because she knows that it's not just from me. She knows that I'm listening to somebody that's greater than me uh, and that's somebody that's di directing our family. And I feel like me and my wife's relationship has grown tenfold in that going through these situations. Um, I think it's something that wouldn't have, it would have took a lot longer if those situations didn't happen. <laughs> yeah, it's incredible with uh, God's leadership, the way that he can, he can grow um, even, even our marriage, the way that we love each other and uh, just train us and teach us and uh, give us wisdom. Uh, I can say I've had the, the same experience in my own marriage um, with learning to hear the voice of God following his voice, doing what he says to do. And in doing that, uh, you know, it just causes your wife to trust you and to to follow where you're going, you know, yeah, and have confidence in where you're going. Yeah, I even, I mean, even on the flip side of it, um, in doing that, he's showing me, you know, what a father and what a husband looks like, that a father and a husband is trustworthy, that when he speaks to his wife and he says he's going to do something, he does it. When he says that with his with his kids as well. You know, if, if daddy says we're going to go outside at four o'clock, the kids can trust that, hey, daddy meant we're really going to go outside at four o'clock. Yeah. Know? And at, at the end of the day, what it really comes down is, comes down to is you're being led by God. And then in your house, you get the credit for leading well. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> yeah. He's a good, he's a humble, good dad. <laughs> yeah. Teach you some humility as well. Yeah, bro. I would. Uh, I really want to thank you for being on the show. I can say personally, um, just in watching 
you grow in the Lord and being able to experience uh, your life with you for so many years, uh, I've seen how God is, has used so many things that could have been bad where he's turned them and used them for the good yeah. and the way that he's actually direct used those things to direct your heart to him. And uh, the kind of man that you are, the kind of father you are, uh, the kind of husband that you are, uh, it's just it is inspiring uh, seeing your walk with the Lord and experiencing your life. I've seen that God truly is a father to the fatherless, and He has given you a unique relationship with Him uh, in that, and He has used it for the good in your life. And so, I just want to thank you for being on the show and, and talking with me uh, about this subject. Yeah, I just want to say thank you for the opportunity to be here and be able to tell my story and tell people about how God is a father to me. And I know he's a father to many others. Yeah. And I look forward to, you know, possibly doing this again with you in the future and just going, you know, deeper into these topics. Yeah. Thank you for listening today. And if you'd like to know more about my ministry with Orphan Justice Center, or if you'd like to partner with us in our ministry, you can email me at travismiles at ihopkc.org. That's travismiles at ihopkc.org. Or you can look up Orphan Justice Center on orphanjusticecenter.com. And if you've enjoyed today's content and you want to continue listening to our content, please make sure that you subscribe and we will catch you with the next podcast.